If any therapeutic approach, technique, molecule, or machine has the ability to impart benefit, it therefore by default has the ability to impart harm. If you're going to be taking anything, first get some baseline biomarkers pertinent to what it's supposedly doing. Do it before, during, and after. My patients have been my greatest teachers. By going through their lives and substantiating their subjective input with backed with objective data. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Okay, friends, I feel like today's episode is going to be a little controversial. I was actually introduced to Dr. Beck through my friend, Dr. Kirk Parsley, who I've had on the show multiple times. And after talking to him, I just knew I had to bring him on. As you guys know, I love bringing on people of all different perspectives because I think in the search for truth, it's really important to expose ourselves to all different viewpoints, all different mindsets. So then we can make our own decisions based on what we've learned and what resonates with us. So I do a lot of biohacking episodes on this show. So I figured maybe it was time to have an anti-biohacking episode. (laughs) I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Anthony Beck, and I think you guys will as well. I'll be super curious to hear your thoughts. Please share them with me in my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting Plus Real Foods Plus Life. You can comment your thoughts on the pin post. And then in addition to sharing your thoughts, that will also enter you into a giveaway. I give away some of my favorite products every single a week. You can also enter a giveaway on my Instagram, find the announcement post about this episode and comment there to enter to win something I love. The show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash biohacking myths. Those show notes will have a full transcript. So definitely check that out. So I am actually recording this on my birthday, which is really exciting. I'm just so, so grateful for everything that has happened with these shows, with the work that I get to do, everything I hear with you guys. I am just so, so grateful. If you are enjoying the shows, it would mean the absolute world, world, world if you could subscribe in iTunes and also write a brief iTunes review. It helps so much more than most people realize. So thank you so much in advance for that. I have a very exciting announcement, friends. I have officially launched a TikTok channel. I've been on Instagram for a while, but it is time for TikTok. And with the channel, I'm going to be posting daily, very high quality, awesome biohacking content, tips and tricks, things from my life. And I really want to bring the glam to biohacking because I feel like biohacking can be very male-centric, or focused on a certain type of person, and I just want to break that stereotype and bring all the sparkles. So please join me there. My handle is Melanie Avalon Official. Please let me know what you'd like to see from me, what you think of the content. I do feel pretty shy about it. So please join me so that we can be friends and just go on the most epic biohacking adventure. Okay, friends, Spirulina update. It is still coming. I know it's been taking a while. It's just because I want to make the most ideal Spirulina tablets on the market. 
ones that are tested for purity and potency and to be free of all pesticides and just the highest quality. So we've got that spirulina source. It tastes awesome. The issue we're experiencing is that in order to make it into tablets, it requires another ingredient. If you're currently taking spirulina tablets and they say they are one ingredient, they are not one ingredient. There is something in there that is helping to keep that structure. So we're trying to figure out which route to go with this. It's really fun because I keep trying different samples. I think I know which one I like the most, but we'll see which one I end up picking. Either way, I really love the taste of our spirulina. It doesn't taste fishy or algae and I really experienced the benefits. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can get my other Avalon X supplements at avalonx.us. Friends, have you jumped on the serapeptase bandwagon yet? That's what I launched with. And to this day, it continues to be my most favorite supplement ever. It's a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm. When you take it in the fasted state, it actually breaks down non-living problematic proteins in your body. So it can help address an array of issues. Like I said, it will clear your sinuses, calm inflammation, it may help reduce cholesterol. Studies have shown it can break down amyloid plaque. It can help alleviate pain and so much more. I take it daily. It is one of the most important supplements in my arsenal. This is the new year. Start it off right. Get some serapeptase. You can get 10% off with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON, as well as a 20% off code when you text AVALONX to 877-861-8318. That's AVALONX to 877-861-8318. Those codes will also work with my fantastic partner, MD Logic Health. For that, go to melanieavalon.com slash mdlogic. And of course, all of my supplements I formulated to be the very best on the market. They're tested multiple times for heavy metals and mold. They're free of all common allergens as well as problematic fillers, which goes back to that whole spirulina formulation issue I was talking about. They come in glass bottles to help prevent leaching of plastics into ourselves and the environment. And we even use the minimal amount of stickiness required for the labels to help with our environmental impact. To get these fantastic products, go to avalonx.us and definitely get on my email list so that you don't miss the Spirulina launch special. For that, go to avalonx.us slash email list. Another resource for you guys if you struggle with food sensitivities like I do, you have got to get my app, Food Sense Guide. It's a comprehensive catalog of over 300 foods for 11 potentially problematic compounds. These include things you may be reacting to, like gluten, lectins, FODMAPs, histamine, oxalates, sulfites, thiols, whether or not something is a nightshade, and so much more. It even includes autoimmune paleo AIP status. You can learn about the compounds, create your own list to share and print, and finally take charge of your food sensitivities. It is a top Apple app, often in the top 10 for the Apple food and drinks charts. And friends, get it now because I'm going to be updating it to a subscription basis soon. So you definitely want to get grandfathered in for life at one super low price. With the subscriptions, by the way, I'm going to be implementing some pretty cool features. So I need to do subscriptions to help support that. So like I said, get it now before we change to subscriptions. You can get it at melanieavalon.com slash foodsenseguide. And one more thing before we jump in. Did you know there are over a thousand compounds found in conventional skincare and makeup in the U.S.? 
that have been banned in Europe due to their toxicity. If you are using conventional skincare makeup, you are directly putting into your bloodstream toxic compounds, including obesogens, which can literally cause your body to store and gain weight. So if your diet's not working, you might want to think about what's happening with your skincare makeup, as well as carcinogens linked to cancer. I'm not making this up and just endocrine disruptors in general, which mess with our hormones. Thankfully, there's an easy solution to this. There's a company called Beauty Counter, and they were founded on a mission to change this. Every single ingredient is extensively tested to be safe for your skin, so you can truly feel good about what you put on, and their products really work. I am obsessed with their overnight resurfacing peel, their vitamin C serum, they have shampoo and conditioner, skincare lines for every skin type, and incredible makeup. It's so amazing that Tina Fey actually wore all beauty counter makeup when she hosted the Golden Globes. So yes, it is high definition camera ready. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code cleanforall20 to get 20% off site-wide. You can get the latest updates from me, specials, sales, samples, and so much more on my email list. That's at melanieavalon.com slash cleanbeauty. And you can join me in my Facebook group, Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare with Melanie Avalon. People share product reviews and their experiences, and I do a giveaway every single week in that group as well. And lastly, if you're thinking of making clean beauty and safe skincare a part of your future, like I have, I definitely recommend becoming a Band of Beauty member. It's sort of like the Amazon Prime for clean beauty. You get 10 percent back in product credit, free shipping on qualifying orders, and a welcome gift that is worth way more than the price of the year-long membership. It is totally completely worth it. And I'll put all this information in the show notes. An important announcement, friends. My EMF blocking products are coming. Make sure you don't miss the launch special. For that, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list. EMFs are actually classified by the IARC as a group 2B, possibly carcinogenic to humans. These are such a problem. We are exposed to them through our Wi-Fi, our cell phones, our AirPods, And they are linked to so many health issues, including anxiety, migraines, headaches, even fertility issues. This is such a problem. Thankfully, you can address your EMF exposure. I'm going to help with that with my Avalon X EMF blocking product line. So again, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list to check that out. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Dr. Anthony Beck. Hi friends, welcome back to the show. I am so, so excited about the conversation that I am about to have. So I will give you a little bit of backstory on what led to this moment. So when it comes to health, diet, fitness, biohacking, all the things, I feel like there are often two events that potentially happen for a lot of people. One is when people are following like a standard American diet, when they're not really paying attention to their health, and then they have some sort of epiphany, some sort of event, and they realize that making dietary and lifestyle changes can have massive effects on their experience of the world. And that's usually a really amazing thing. And then another event that also often occurs, and sometimes this happens to people who went through event number one that I just talked about, is people who are aware of diet, lifestyle, all of these things. And they feel like they're making all the changes, feel like they're doing all the things, and yet it can't quite get a hold on whatever health issues they're experiencing. And it can be really, really complicated and frustrating. And the crazy thing is I feel like they're often 
two different polar opposite parts of this. One is that people often get information overload, like they're doing all of the research, looking into all the things, and yet they just can't quite figure it out. Or it might be the opposite, or at the same time, be overly simplistic, like subscribing to, you know, one approach that seemingly should fix your health, but it's not. So that was very wordy and a very long intro. But needless to say, I have (laughs) swam in these waters of information overload and not being able to quite figure out the final piece on some things that I've been struggling with health-wise. And I was talking about this with my good friend, Dr. Kirk Parsley, who I've had on the show multiple times. And he was like, you've got to talk to this guy, Dr. Anthony Beck. He's like, he's going to change your life. Like, like I'm connecting you. So I did a call, an intake call with Dr. Beck. And we were supposed to talk. I mean, I think it was supposed to be like a 30 minute call. And I think we talked for like an hour and a half um, (laughs) because he is such a wealth of information. And we were just going at all these tangents and rabbit holes. And he has so much knowledge, so much information, so many mind blowing things about health and wellness. I was like, man, you've got to come on my show, please. So here we are. I am so honored to be having this conversation. Dr. Beck, thank you so much for being here. Well, I'm glad. And I like your wordy intro. Your guests will probably hear me just as wordy. It's a, it's a worthy of the South, the gift of gab. We chat. There's so many ways that this conversation could go. So I feel like we'll just go with what comes. I did ask my audience for questions for you. So I do have questions from them, but to start things off, would you like to tell listeners a little bit about your personal story? What led you to where you are today? Because you do have a health practice and you have something called your balance protocol, but what is your story? Why are we having this conversation right now? Yeah. Well, you know, the the thing is, is you can hear from my voice. Everybody always does on these podcasts. And when I'm talking into a microphone up close, <laughs> the twang comes out. I'm a good old boy from North Carolina. I've been uh, practicing integrative and functional medicine for 27 years. I've always been someone who loves the art of critical thinking. And I turn presupposed statements into questions, a little a la Rupert Sheldrake. But the thing is, is when it comes down to, you know, why I'm here and what I'm doing is it's because, and let me sidebar, everything I say on this podcast, (laughs) on the show is of my pure opinion. (laughs) Okay. The reason why I say that is because what I like to do is dispel the noise and confusion that's in the info space. All right. So I've been a practitioner for, you know, a quarter of a century and I started prior to the internet. Okay. And, you know, I you know, learned a lot from the Dewey Decimal System, you know, books and libraries, not Google searches and all that kind of fun stuff. And so it afforded me a tremendous amount of perspective because it's real skin in the game. But then when I decided to, you know, come out to the world, if you will, having been in, you know, private practice for quite a while, circa 2009, Some personal things happen, you know, end of a 16-year marriage and, you know, betrayal by a best friend, loss of a medical practice. You know, my I call it my Jerry Maguire moment. And so the thing is, is that I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do what other doctors tend to do is want to get out into the info space, right? Because there was a few of my colleagues that were, have, you know, written books and so forth. And so you go through that learning curve and I soon found very rapidly somewhat of what I refer to as a swamp of itself. 
and also just a cabal. Like there's this realm of info space summits, sales funnels, affiliates, this, that, and the other. And I had no idea this stuff was going on. I was like, wonder why all these people were selling these books and supplements were doing what they were doing. And I realized what it was. So what, what, to answer the question, what brought us here was I soon realized that what was being purveyed out there was not for the betterment of the patient's individual situation. It wasn't. It was to benefit the self-proclaimed guru, expert, or whatever you want to label it, to where they can be tapped as the go-to person in their, wait for it, niche, right? Everybody's told to pick a niche. And I was like, hold on a second. A patient cases, you can't just go and niche and go, oh, they have constipation and bowel issues and hair loss and fatigue and insomnia and low libido. One niche will tell you, oh, it's Hajimoto. Oh, it's thyroid. And then another person, will go, oh, no, that's SIBO. That's, it's, it's all gut health. And then another person will tell you, oh, no, that's because, you know, in a past life you didn't, whatever. So then there's that part. So there's all these different, these are these niches. And so some of my patients inadvertently were in the digital marketing space. They got, they've gone to something called traffic and conversion. It's always in San Diego and, and this, that, and the other. And here, we're going to do this and we'll just set this up for you and all this kind of stuff and basically kind of be your agent and get you out there and all this stuff. And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where's the practitioner integrity? Where, where's the fact that not every person is the same? And you can't blame, you know, food allergies and sensitivities on one particular molecule construct, like a gluten or an oxalate or a phytate or a nightshade or a this or a that. And then they go, well, if you want to be out there and you want to compete and this, that, and the other, you got to pick a niche and do all this. And I say, I just was like, I waved off. And of course, I made some enemies along the way because they really did, you know, because these are some of the people, well, not say enemies, but they were former patients. So I've been the, the physician and clinician to many a folk that are out there within their niche and space. And after working with me, they were find themselves at a crossroads. Some have chosen to continue their digital marketing and their affiliate slash niche space, and others have you know had the the great awakening, realize that they got to go in another way. And so my whole thing is is, is one of those kind of situations was the one you mentioned. You know, a, a very close friend of mine. I love him like a brother. You know, Doctor Parsley is a wonderful man. You know, the thing is, is when you, when, when you really get into these, these complicated cases and you find out that you're just degrees of separation from other people, it makes you realize that uh, at the end of the day, you, you got to make a decision on how you want to go after uh, correction of uh, physiology that's giving you symptoms, even though despite all your best efforts, you're doing a whole bunch of things and you have to realize and have the guts to go, okay, though I did all this and though I've, you know, say worked with or interviewed, you know, all kinds of experts within their particular niche and everything like that. If you come up short, you have to be honest with yourself and ask the reason why. Well, that story has played out to me countless dozens of times. So I have decided to be a little bit more bold in my rhetoric, if you will, (laughs) and spread my form of of craziness and, and propaganda that which is balanced protocol. And we can get into that more in a little bit, but that's what brought me here, right? It was this, it was this leaving of a traditional integrative medicine clinic model that I did what I did because I had the, the ability to work with patients one-on-one and in person for, for whatever we needed to do. But then I realized when life kicked my butt and I 
had to go out in two, January of 2009, I started the first virtual practice that I even know of. So I've been uh, seeing patients from around the world virtually, 100% virtually, since January of 2009. That's afforded me the ability to touch base into other realms of, of individuals and cases that were just not local. And so, therefore, they were inundated with all kinds of different people's points of view that were all niche-based. Does that make sense? So that's where that's where I've come to, and it's it's a situation now that now that people are realizing that yeah, even though there's all these different things out here, like ever like you know there's like oh, and then the biohacking world, we can get into that. And wow, you you know how I feel about that. I saw that. I'm like I'm like hold on a minute. I said back in the day we call we call it the quantified self movement, right? And I've been involved in that for a while. It's always been about, okay, well, what do you test and, and evaluate and do these things and so forth and so on. And that's what helped me put together, you know, balanced protocols. So I've been doing that, man, goodness, for a long time. But then now the biohacking was a term. It's a niche. It's a thing. <laughs> it's one of those things, right? And, there's, and, it com- and it completely obfuscated the individual and created all this noise and confusion that I was talking about. So what, what brought us here was, is, is there's been different times because I've, I've lectured so many times at various medical conferences and stuff like that on, on all kinds of things from stem cells to whatever, even before it was cool. Anyway, so it, it brought me to now, once you kind of get out there in the info space, other podcast hosts and people, you know, I didn't know what a damn podcast was. <laughs> you know, I was like, what the heck's a podcast? I'm like, you know, it's like pod racer. I'm a Star Wars fan. Is it anything to do with that? Anyways, so that's what it is. So, we, it, it, you know, degrees of separation brought us together based upon, you know, my disdain for the concept that which is biohacking, doing things based upon a digital marketing premise as opposed to you being a category of one and it all being about your unique story. That's really what it was. Yeah. So some things that you touched on, a lot of what you say and your approach really resonates with me because it is the approach I personally hold. And that's, I do think I subscribe to like a definitive paradigm when I realized that changing your diet could really change your health. But then beyond that, I realized that there's no one right diet for everybody. There's no one right approach really to anything. And we're all so unique and like everything that you experience with people, you know, wanting to businessify everything and make it a sales pitch doesn't work. And I shudder so much because even with the show, because I interview, you know, so many different people really well known in the space. A lot of them do have their niches, but my intention with it is to just learn as much as I can and speak to everybody I can and then take from it, what resonates with me and what resonates with listeners. And I shudder when, when listeners will be like, ask me, you know, what do you do? Or, you know, what is the the one thing? And I'm like, there is not one thing. I cannot tell you that. Like, I am not the person. Well, and that's, and that's just it. So, I mean, my method of approach is it's all things, not just one thing. It completely destroys the oversimplification of a single agent of destruction or solution, right? So I have what I call my four factors of balance protocol. So it's environment, lifestyle, mindset, and nutrition. So it's all four of those. And everything is encompassed in within those, okay? So yes, nutrition is massive. But just like you said, there's not one diet for everybody. But you can't tell that to the people who have some other type of cult-like, religious, you know, edict like plant-based or vegan or carnivore, or keto, 
or autoimmune paleo or, or, or some kind of schmaleo, wh- whatever it is. If there's one thing that I've always said, and that's why my patients have been my greatest teachers, okay? Not books or anything like that, but by, by going through their lives and substantiating their subjective input with backed with objective data, okay, through various labs and stuff. And if there's one thing I can tell you, 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 you absolutely have to concede that not everybody is the same. You can't, and then this is the problem with everybody out there in the niche world. There's various ones and, and I'm fine to name people by names if you want. I'm not putting them down because remember everything is just my pure opinion. And I always tell everybody, don't believe me, go do your research. That's how you know if someone's trying to lie to you. I don't want you to just believe me. I just want to educate, motivate, and inspire, right? So the thing is, is people go, oh, well, studies. There's a few people out there, you know, the Instagram guys and girls and stuff. And all this, they're always quoting literature. Well, here's the thing. A lot of people don't know how to read literature. They don't understand how these studies that they're using to justify their niche, which is truly just, you know, just like you said, it's just, you know, businessified. It only is, it's a handful of people that aren't the person who is reading it. The person who lives in Canada is not the same as a person who lives in Louisiana. Person who lives around the Mediterranean with Mediterranean DNA and Mediterranean lifestyle and Mediterranean lifestyle, you know, mindset and nutrition and food items is not the same as some that's a same Mediterranean person who lives in New York City. There's a change of what I call context. I, I call it context cubes. Like whenever we evaluate real estate for its value and worth, we say, we say, you know, location, location, location. Well, every case is context, context, context. Everybody has their own context. The body doesn't respond the same in the northern latitudes as it does in the southern latitudes. That's, that's one context. Then you have to take a look at, okay, well, what job, relationship, community, and connection are you, is that same person doing in one of those different people? And the reason why I've, this is the case, because, I mean, you work with people like I do from around the world. They travel different geographies all the time, and their body is responding, and they're like, what the hell? And I'm going, exactly, what the hell? Well, let's find out. And so when you have these, these overly simplified, dogmatic, and obtuse nutritional things, this is where the person's biochemical individuality gets lost. And this is, this is, this is one of the big things that is really what mires people from getting results within the realms of nutrition and dietetics. That's what it is. That's, I mean, that's it and a thing. Like, just like registered dietitians, they're taught one thing. And if you step outside of that, you come under tremendous persecution with the powers that be because you're only allowed to tell these certain things. But I know tons of dietitians and registered dietitians who haven't got a damn clue. They have no idea what they're doing when it comes to people. They don't do any tests. They don't look at functional markers. They don't take a look at anything in the person. They just say, eat this presupposed healthy way as substantiated by the medical industrial complex. And that's the same way it is out there in the digital marketing space. Like, you know, you've got guys out there and uh, doctors and whatever that go carnivore is everything. And they'll create this entire narrative of how, why everybody should be carnivore. Same thing for keto, same thing for plant-based. And they're forgetting that that person is unique. And so when it comes down to it, this is why everybody says, I don't know who to believe. And I say, well, listen, don't believe me, believe your body. See what I'm saying? You have to quantify, qualify, measure, and monitor. That's my principle of Q square, M square. And determine for you, you know, damn the torpedoes. You got to say, hold on a minute. This is what I'm experiencing. And you have to translate it through those four factors of environment, lifestyle, mindset, and nutrition. 
So that that's really what where where it comes down to be. And in your world, you know, in the biohacking world, right? There's a lot of this scattered all over the place, right? Sticking lights and lasers up your nose, shooting injections into your your nether regions, jumping into cold baths, you know, do all this stuff. Because you got a, a person in a, and an expert in that field in every one of them, right? And doing all these things. But the big problem with all those is, is they do have clinical merit. I've been doing, you know, photobiomodulation for 20 some years, way before any of these light panels came out. I mean, that's not a new science. And everybody's like, oh, it's all about the red and blue is bad. I'm going, hold on a second. I use, I use blue for all kinds of things. Just like I use lime and lemon and tangerine and turquoise. There's all the, I mean, but everyone's always all about the red. And you see all these people taking pictures and on their Instagram and their stuff and these red rooms and light, you know, red light all the time and all around. And I'm going, whoa, you have no idea what kind of mixed signals you're giving your body. We are, show me in nature where red light exists anyways like that. We can use it therapeutically just like there's nobody in nature that does coffee enemas. But coffee enemas have their place clinically. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a mammal doing a coffee enema, have you? I have not. But that doesn't mean we can't use it is my point. We can do these things, but you got all this stuff all over the place. And people think if I do all these things, I'm going to be healthy. That's, I mean, how does that pan out? I always talk about pattern recognition, you know, and looking at nature as a litmus. What if we did that in our relationships? I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to really do all this for this person and I'm going to buy him things and I'm going to do stuff and I'm going to make them coffee. And I'm going to do the laundry and I'm going to fold this and then, and then, and on there, and they're still miserable in the relationship. And somebody forgot to tell them about, that's not your partner's love language. You're doing all these things under the auspice of good. And a lot of other people go, man, that worked for me. I'd love for somebody to do all that. But the person you're with is going, that's not what I need or want. So it's the same pattern that I see people doing in their bodies all the time. All this stuff with no context. No quantification, no way to measure and monitor what's happening or not happening to make any course corrections. They're just doing it for the sake of doing it. Oh my goodness. You've touched on so many things. I bet my listeners ears perked up so many times during that. You even touched on love languages, which I'm obsessed with. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's the mindset part. You know, people are like, oh, well, meditation. Okay, great. Meditation is marvelous. Okay. So is prayer, right? But here's the deal. You know, you got to understand there's, there's, Things in your body that you have to correct if you have any running chance for your nutrition or your, your I'm going to call them stupid, your silly biohacks and your supplements, you know, to even have a running chance to, to have impact. You know, we all know the power of the mind. Hell, I mean, I've, you know, we, you know you, ladies, you know, you're so worried you missed your period, you missed your period. You know, you're so scared to give your book report, you have diarrhea, right? It's what I call the Dr. Beck coma test, right? You know, I've, I've never known a patient in a, in, that's in a coma to ever have anxiety or depression, right? It's in your head, right? So there's a powerful part of the mind that governs the physiology. Your body will, will literally determine how it deals with amino acids, fatty acids, minerals, vitamins, based upon what's going on in your brain. Before jumping into everything specifically, because you mentioned environment, mindset, lifestyle, and nutrition, is one thing more important than the other? Should you start in one area? If everybody's unique and everything can be good or bad, depending on context, how do you even know where to start? What's the roadmap? Yeah, well, that's fantastic. I mean, talk about a softball question. I mean, like, we didn't do it on purpose. We didn't plan it. But that's what balanced protocol is. Balanced protocol is the framework, the order of operations. So, yes, there are things first. 
Okay. So the thing is, is when you have all this stuff, where do you begin? Well, just like in math, you add and subtract, right? Then you, then you, you know, divide and, and, and multiply. Then you got in the parentheses, outside of the parentheses, above the line, below the line. You just can't start moving the numbers around. There is an order of operations. And what's important is like, okay, what's more important? You know, your heart or your brain? Well, people say, well, what's your gut? Well, your guts, you know, what's more important for your gut is the microbiome. I mean, we could, I call it mental masturbation, right? You could sit there and have all these games in your head, right? Of what's more important or whatever. It's never that. It's just like in relationships. It's not just, oh, well, they're great in bed. Or, oh, the way to a man is through his stomach. Oh, you're a great cook. But listen, if you're a slob, your partner's not going to, I don't give a dang what it's like a bit. Okay. If you, there, there's all these things in relationships. So as a, in a relationship with your body, it's the same kind of thing. So I started out with what I call the environmental input. So air, water, light, sound, EMF, and food. That's your starting point. Okay. Even before gut, gut is not the, you know, we're all be, disease begins and ends. That's a lie. That's just parroted. People just are saying that because everybody's always said that. How you breathe and your quality of air, critical. Same thing when it comes to water and hydration and how it operates and performs in your body, right? Same is, is, is light and circadian rhythm. You know, your clock genes and your b malls and stuff like that, they rule all the other SNPs. Don't give me, oh, we, maybe we can talk about, you know, the dirty gene bullcrap. Light, then there's sound, then there's, you know, there's vibration. There's a ton of things when it comes to, to that going on. No one ever talks about the, the, you know, how profound sound is and what it does, right? Then, of course, we got electromagnetic fields. If your body is, you know, bathing in excess body voltage or magnetic fields or radio frequency and stuff like that. And I was, I've been teaching that for longer than these self-proclaimed EMF. Oh my gosh, don't get me started on that. But the thing is, is you, your, your, your body, need all those environmental energetics govern the, the sixth input, which is nutrition, food. Okay, so your body is going to react with things that I, we call food. I call it that molecules that which are not self, right? Anything that you eat or drink is not you. You have to turn it into you. Okay, so I, I refer to that as tuning or synchronization. So, you know, like the example I use is, you know, you can't do a muscle core bi muscle biopsy. Like we'll stick a little in the vastus lateralis. We'll pull it out and we'll look in there. You can't go, oh, I see you made your muscles from hemp protein. Oh, actually, no, yours right here came from, this guy came from grass-fed bison. Things stop being what, we, what they are, and our body turns them into us. How our body turns things into us is highly dependent upon that air, water, light, sound, EMF that I was just talking about. So that's where you got to start. You have to clear up your environment first, because that environment is also determines your lifestyle and how you move through it. Your, your, your environment and your lifestyle translates into your mindset and how you move into it. What's your blueprint of life and where you should be? And then that's going to determine how you feed yourself. So you see how that kind of works? There's like an order of operations of where, where do you start? That's the difference. That's the answer to the question. This is incredible. So within that world of the environment, because I know myself and a lot of my audience are very much trying to make changes in the environment, a lot of the things that you just touched on. So I'd love to ask you some questions about those. The EMFs, for example, I have a, <laughs> this is such a biohacking question specifically related to this. So EMF exposure, how bad is it? Things like Wi-Fi, like I hardwire my internet, so I don't use Wi-Fi 
now I'm on, (laughs) it was like this interview was perfect timing because I just got in the mail a new sleep mattress called Sleep 8 that changes the temperature throughout the night. It monitors your heart rate. It vibrates to wake you up. It does all these things, but requires Wi-Fi to run it. And I'm like, uh. EMF in general, like how bad is Wi-Fi? Do things work like like I have like an EMF canopy? <laughs> yeah, we can go down. That's a that's a huge topic on itself. So let me let me do this. How bad is EMF? Okay, so the, here here's here's my first test of duplicity. Okay, it depends upon the context of the individual. There's some people that don't have a problem in the world with that Wi-Fi exposure, whereas another person absolutely would be. So what it, the question really is, what's the difference? If you're in balance, you can get away with what I call controlled burns. Now, in my home, I don't have a single smart technology. Everything is wired, shielded, Cat6. I don't use anything like that. My keyboard, my mouse, my everything, everything is that, okay? But just a little while ago, I was driving in my, you know, 2019 Mercedes. That's a Mercedes for those of you. Anyways, you know. And, uh, and I like a, 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 a nice high-end car. That's an EMF bomb. Does it drive itself? No, no, not yet. I won't do that. It, my car is kind of like a socialist car. makes decisions for me and I can't stand it. Don't get me started. Anyways, and, you know, as a matter of fact, I had a conversation with our uh, mutual friend on, you know, and talking about his Thanksgiving uh, prowess. Anyways, so, and I was on uh, Bluetooth from my phone to my car while I was driving. <gasps> oh, the blasphemy. No. I am in balance. I'm lovely and delicious. I don't have a damn problem in the world in any realm whatsoever. And I'm not being arrogant. It's just that I practice what I preach and I've got mad skin in the game and I know what my body can and cannot do. So in some cases, it is awful. Now, all the the little gadgets and gizmos and stuff like these different mattresses and pads and the Magnetico sleep pad and then this little pad and then the chili pad and all these things and, and the little, you know, the rings and gadgets and heart rate variability tests and all that stuff is just F all as far as I'm concerned. It's a complete and utter waste of time because you're trying to do things and you haven't even laid the foundation. No matter what house you build, you have to make sure that the land underneath it is correct. You got to make sure that the foundation is poured and correct and has the right ingredients and combination of stuff. I live in Florida. I'm building another new home. So I'm using that language. You know, how we pour foundations in, in Florida is not the same as Texas. It's not the same thing as you would in Indiana. Why? Because of the environment, the weather, the moisture, the bugs, there's all kinds of different things. So you have to have a foundational stuff. Then you start building the walls and whatever. Then you worry about what kind of you know, furniture you're going to put in and do with it. So there's an order of operations in that industry too. It's the same thing in law. It's the same thing in just about every trade out there. If you really look at it, there's an order of operations in the context. So when it comes to EMF, Yes, you should lower them as much as you possibly can. In today's day and age, we do not need Wi-Fi at all. You just don't. If you don't have a hardwired connection where you're living, you're not working foundationally. It's the silliest dang thing ever. There are so many options to wire and connect. It's incredible. But that doesn't mean go to some coffee shop and use their Wi-Fi while you sip on an overly expensive cup of joe. You see what I'm saying? So is it bad for you? Well, of course it can be, not is. I say can or may. And that's what I tell people. You don't have to be dogmatic and you don't have to be a purist or anything like that. 
You know, you could you could you could justify and unjustify just about anything. So when it comes to EMF, it's a big concern. Yes, because boy, that those energetics definitely move the molecules in your body, and particularly minerals. And so if you're having weird symptoms and stuff like that, foundationally, you have to avoid it as much as you possibly can. It's what I call my 3D approach. First thing is, is, is disconnect. The way you block EMF is to turn off the power. That's it. The power switch. So disconnect. The second one would be distance. And if you can't get distance away from the source, you want to limit the duration. That's what makes the poison, if you will. So is 5G, we can go into 5G a problem? Yes. Hell yeah, it is. Okay, but should we all be losing our mindset and going back crap crazy and all freaking out and losing the quality of life in our minds just because of that fear? So you see how that can be just as detrimental as the energetic itself? So that's what I mean by that. Some follow-up questions to that. So you just mentioned, for example, things like wearables like Aura and you know my, my sleep tracking mattress being perhaps not beneficial. But oh yeah, would that also be potentially context-dependent? Like for me, I know that I sleep better colder. So having like this mattress. But why do you, and here's my thing, and I, I get that, me too. My wife and I, I mean, she sleeps us at 68, okay? And which is a great trade-off for me because the thing is, is I like it a little bit warmer, but she cranks heat in her body at night. It's nobody's business. I mean, so I can thermoregulate by how much I snuggle up or not, you know? So she likes it cold. I like whatever. So, yes, if you want to sink the money into a device that gives you that quantification, then I get it, okay? It's just like like saying like an aura ring. And we all know we've bought them and we've worked with them and stuff like that, but they soon lose their whatever. They really don't give any reason as to why, right? It gives you data, but then you now have to interpret that data. But then that data need, now needs to be translated through other I use the term fractal micronage. Like, so in other words, how you sleep, like say the, the aura ring doesn't, or any other heart rate variability machine or anything like that, it doesn't cross-reference a real-time something as simple as your blood sugar levels, right? Your body will, will, will also thermoregulate per blood sugar and, and pancreatic alcohol. A lot of people don't even know that we make alcohol in our bodies. But the thing is, is that you see what I'm saying? So when it comes to thermoregulation, what does the device really tell you? as to why. It's just a bunch of what. Listeners were always really, really shocked that I didn't have an aura ring. I'm wearing one right now because the CEO is coming on the show. But It's a great device, but it's very passing. Yeah. And my hesitancies about getting it were that I am so mindset driven and I think I am the type that my perception of things really influences my physiology. And I was like, if I get this aura ring and it tells me that I slept bad, then I feel like it's going to have a negative effect on me. And even when I asked for questions like Susan, she said, my worry is can some biohacking methods be detrimental to health? For example, I read many posts by aura ring users stressing about not getting optimal sleep results, which leads to more sleep and even more restless sleep. But I will say that the good thing that happened was it was the opposite. So I got my aura ring and I got this mattress and I thought they were going to say that my sleep was awful because I think I overanalyzed everything I'm doing. <laughs> They're saying that I'm doing like great in that department. So I'm like, oh, well, okay, I'm going to use this to my advantage. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that, we, that, we're, that we're subjugating so much of who we are and what we think to some device that doesn't know a damn thing about us? Really? In a global sense? You know, that's like, that's like trusting relationship or marital advice with your banker or your CPA. Are you crazy? We don't do that. 
But yet biohackers do that all the time with one of these devices. And if that device is so amazing, why do you need any of the other damn devices? If it's the end all to be all and all you need is a magnetico pad or a juve lamp, you know, or, or, or an air doctor or any of those other kind of things, why the hell do you need anything else? Because it's not it. And see, that's the reason why I have such an issue with the term biohacking. It is a hack. It is a shortcut. It is, it is the lazy man and woman's way to go. It's the reason why I can't stand the stuff that comes along with that and these biohacking conferences and all this other kind of stuff. And then, you know, that guy who I call the father of fraud who says he's the father of biohacking. No, he's not. I mean, oh my God, all you got to do, I mean, holy crap. I don't know how personal you want to get with that, but that's an absolute joke. I mean, the sheer amount of BS that comes out of some of these people's stuff blows my mind. It's always attached to selling you a product. Your job should be to find out how do you get away from all these things. So if you use any of these biohacking devices to get that quantification that I preach about so much to make all your decisions, okay, or at least be a part of making all your decisions, I should say, fine, but it should be in passing. Okay. It's just like when we're out of, you know, high school and we go on to college and we get our master's or doctorate and whatever, you don't keep going back to, you know, those reference books. You should have it. You should get it. Right. Reminds me of an old story. You ever heard of the story called Stone Soup? I don't think so. Yeah, I wrote this in my book. So anyways, there's an old story in the book called Stone Soup where there was this village and everybody was starving. And this one guy comes in, he says, hey, listen, I have this magic stone that will feed everybody. And they're like, oh, we all need that. Oh, I'll make everything so much better. And then he said, okay, blacksmith, I need you to make, go and make the biggest cauldron that you've ever fired before. And he goes and does it. And then, okay, and then they do and I brought that. And then he goes to the, to the, to the farm and go, hey, listen, okay, you got cabbage and carrots, come and put that in there. And then this person over there is, okay, hey, you go to the well and you put some water in there. And then the other person goes, hey, why don't you just chop up and butcher one of your animals and put that in there. And then everybody starts putting all their stuff in there. And then, and then he throws in the stone and stirs it all around and it turns into this big old pot of soup and everybody eats and they go, oh my God, that magic stone fed us all. And you see where I'm going with that. Had nothing to do with that damn stone. It had to do with all the other things that were rightfully so and in in combination that you do. And so this is the thing when I try to explain to people the reason why health and wellness or optimal performance or thing escapes you is because you're much ado about nothing when you think you're doing all these things. And you're obfuscating the fact that you are, your unique story, your environment, your lifestyle, your mindset, all the different things that come into play. It's multifaceted. All these niches come into play and in the context of you. And you're looking to get information from something, but yet it's so limited on what it can do by itself. You see what I'm saying? You know, I, I get it when people want to use these devices, they're therapeutically useful. I mean, I, I have all kinds of gadgets and gizmos from tuning forks to, to electro stem to, I mean, my toolbox is massive, right? But you got to do it in the right context and in the right order. If you do the right thing, but at the wrong time, you're going to mess a, a person up. You can absolutely mess people up. And I see it all the time. You know, even something as simple as intermittent fasting. There are inclusionary and exclusionary criteria that people need to to know before they do it. We have that in drugs. We have that in all kinds of places where like, well, you know, if, if you have this, you can't take it because of this. 
right? It's the same thing like with, ooh, CBD. I mean, listen, I've been telling people to grow their own weed for decades. Why people buy it is beyond me. It's... (laughs) Jesus, unbelievable. Don't get me started. But so then they take something like, say, CBD. Oh, it's nature's medicine. And then they give it to everybody. I was just listening on the way over here to another commercial about, you know, CBD for pets, for your pets, you know, hair loss and, and anxiety. <laughs> okay. And I can't help but to laugh, but we're trying to use things to treat things. I'm like, well, are you, you know, feeding your pet, you know, that cooked dead A food, you know, from the store? You know, I don't care if it's Blue Diamond or, or you know, red emu or whatever the hell it is, you know, it's dead food cooked to hell. And then you put their little bed by, by the, the, by the plug outlet by your bed and they're sleeping in voltage, right? And then you go and you give them rabies shots and all these injections just because that, you know, heartworm medicine, you give them that, that monthly poison and pill, same dose for a little chihuahua as you do a pit bull. Oh, but if they're having problems with their skin and and your pets are anxious, just give them some CBD. You see what I'm saying? It's the same thing I see in people all the time. CBD has its place, but if you're more parasympathetic tone, you know, or, or imbalanced, you have no business taking CBD because it, it drives parasympathy. You see what I'm saying? So no, there's an inclusionary, exclusionary criteria to everything. So if you're wanting to do the, you know, like the rings and stuff, they're great. They're good tools, you know, continuous glucose monitors. There's all kinds of stuff that are useful gadgets and gizmos. But if you don't have biomarkers, you're wasting your time. Hi, friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference, May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and dry farm wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind-blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Annika Becca, and that is just a few of them. I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys. And you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. I do get a lot of biohacking overwhelm. I mean, biohacking companies send me stuff like 24 seven and I feel like I'm always tracking something or testing something or it's the things I end up using that I experience bring something to my life that I do try to share with listeners. Like the red light, 
It really, really helps me. Mostly from a mood perspective, actually, because people often ask me normally for like pain or skin health or things like that. But I've just found that controlling my light exposure has a profound effect on my mood, my sleep. Oh man. Yep. It's, it's one of those, those six environmental inputs I talked about. It does. It absolutely does. But you know what? Too much red light can be absolutely detrimental. The red versus the NIR near infrared. I'm assuming probably the NIR might potentially be more detrimental with longer exposure. Nope. Not at all. Nope. And here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. You have the far infrared people, you got the near infrared people, and they're telling each other that people about all confused. It's taken all out of context. Okay. And here's the thing. Far infrared by itself or near infrared by itself is not the same as let's say you had some 660 at the same time. You're playing a different tune. It's like if it's the same thing like on a piano, your right hand and your left hand. You can have the same chord on on different octaves. You hit one and you go, oh, that sounds cool. This one mother by itself. You play them both at the same time, you get a different deal. Okay. So again, context. So it's not that one is potentially more detrimental or the other, but I will tell you this, the red light moving down into the visible spectrum, that's where you get, if you had to have the scale of potential detriment, it's in the visual spectrum, not in the near or the far. Absolutely not. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's because one reason is because of depth of penetration, right? See, red light's only going to go a certain depth and basically stay there, and it doesn't generate the energetic, that's heat, okay? When you bring in heat, it changes things. So just like when we start talking about water and how it structures, and you know, my friend Dr. Pollock and stuff like that, when we talk about fourth phase of water exclusion zone and so forth and so on, okay? So remember, metabolism itself is the production of water and light. That's all it is. If you look at the Krebs cycle, tricarboxylic, you know, TCA, whatever you want to call it. The end product is water and heat. Heat is light. Okay. That's what we do. We, we're constantly producing those. So we are literally are generators of light. We are beings of light. I'll have to say it like that. The thing is, is you, you got to understand that we produce a certain amount of near infrared and far infrared ourselves. We are not producers of 660 nanometers. Which for listeners is the, the red visible. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, the red. See what I'm saying? So isn't that interesting? By our very existence, we produce certain, e, you know, EMF. It's all EMF, by the way, bands, but yet not others. So it's the ones that our body doesn't make where we have the potential for detriment. We don't make red. We don't make green light. We don't make blue light. We don't make yellow light either. You see what I'm saying? We don't make those. But we can shine those on our body parts, and it's a big difference if you're going to do systemic front or systemic back or lower or upper, the top of your head, on your feet. There's different physiological reactions that come with you know, putting those wavelengths on the body, plus how long you put them on and at what intensity or irradiance. So there's various combinations. It's a moving target is my point. It's a completely moving target through the context of another person. It also depends upon what's in your cells. You have to take into consideration, I use the term turbulence. So our cells are filled with plasma and all kinds of things, fatty acids, amino acids, heavy metals, nutritive metals, vitamins, molecules. It is nothing but a big old cloudy super, super you. And how those lights are going through there and how different energetics are going there depends upon the, the sum total of all those things, toxins and nutrients included, that make up the turbulence within the cells to how you're going to react. So I can't say how something will be. I can say may or can, but it's always translated through the context of the individual. 
Okay. And then oh, I have to ask you really quickly. A company just sent me, have you heard of Towel Patch? Towel Patch? Towel, T-A-O. Towel Patch. No, I haven't. It's like these little patches and you put it on like certain meridians and it says it uses the energy from your body to turn it into infrared and then put it back into your body. Yeah, that, I, I can, I can, if that's what it is, I can tell you right now, I wave the bull flag on that. It, it, it's just same thing like the dingles and the dongles and these little pendants and stuff and stickers for your phone and these kind of stuff. Do those do anything? I got them everywhere. Not a damn thing. And how do I know? Because I've quantified them with proper measurements from oscilloscopes and various meters. It's just, it's not true. You don't need the, the whole thing of these patches. Now, are there patches that are certain metal weave constructs that can create a certain bioelectrical potential on the skin? Yes. I think that's what this is. Okay. Could be. So I'm just saying, but here's the thing though. Okay. I'd have to see what they're specifically saying to say, because I don't want to reflex poo-poo, but if it was just as simple as what you just said, then I would probably, I'd have to wave the BS flag. Because there's lots of that. Because they know that space always is wanting that new, bigger, better deal. They're wanting that new little gadget, that gizmo, that patch, that pill, that potion, that powder. They're always looking for that stuff. You know, it's one thing after the other when no one's doing any quantification. No matter if, if one thing I can tell your listeners, if I could really, you know, inspire them to something is that if you're going to be taking anything or doing anything, first get some baseline biomarkers pertinent to what it's supposedly doing. Do it before, during, and after. That's it. Okay. If, if you, if you want to know if this you know, like liposomal glutathione, BS, your body absolutely digests it into the, tri- the tripeptides that it is and reassembles. It's, it's not even worth it. It's, it's a joke. This whole loop liposomal things. And how do I know that? Because I've tested it on multiple. Like when you absorb it, some of it sublingually, does it as well? Does that happen? Yeah. Yes, it does. But again, you got to understand something. It's context. Okay. And just because you get it into circulation, absorb it. Now it's in the bloodstream. So what? That doesn't conclude its journey, okay? So I like to talk in pictures. Road trip, okay? We're rolling out to California on a 65, you know, on Route 66. We're going to make it, okay? So, okay, boom, we're on the highway. Doesn't tell us where we're going to stop along the way or things we're going to talk about or music we're going to listen to on the way. When you put stuff into circulation and we all get stuck on absorbability, it's more absorbable. That doesn't tell you anything about the journey it has to make to come out of circulation and into this particular tissue set of cells out of those and then into the next one out of those and into the next one. You see what I'm saying? The journey to its endpoint of utilization tells the tale. So you can take something, then measure it. It goes up in the blood. That doesn't tell you its function. You see what I'm saying? So like, for instance, people out there in the hydration world, I have a product called Oral IV that I invented. And so the thing is, is people are like, well, you can't absorb electrolytes because you have to have sugar, even though it's a, you know, just a complete farce. Okay. And then people, then some people say, oh, well, in order, you know, to uptake glucose, you got to have, you know, sodium. And I go, okay, well, just do a simple test. Okay. On an empty stomach. Take a bunch of sodium, put it in your mouth, and then take your blood after there. And without any other things, guess what will happen? Blood sodium goes up. Imagine that. Same thing when it comes to glucose. You, can, you don't have to have any salt with it or any other stuff like all these 
you know, like liquid IV crap and just garbage products. And your blood sugar will go up even though you didn't consume any, any minerals. So it's context. So my, my point is, is that this. Quantify it. Test it. Don't believe me. Do it yourself. Don't go on what the manufacturer or the CEO of the company or some biohacker or some supposed, you know, expert tells you. Go find out for yourself. If you're not quantifying, then you're not biohacking, even though if I even remotely would tolerate that word. I don't. It's just, it's, it's pathetic. Thank you for being on the show. I know, I know, and that's what it has to be. And I know that'll turn a lot of people off, and that's fine. My point is, biohacking has become an irrevocably irreparable adage. Just can't, it just can't come out of it. So, one of the biohacking gadgets you mentioned just now, I would consider to be more in the realm of quantifying, and I've started using it, and it's been so revolutionary for me. And that's, I've been wearing a CGM for about a month now. How do you feel about the CGMs? Cause I feel like I've learned so much about my body wearing one. Yes. Okay. Well, let me ask you, well, what, what have you learned? I learned that my fasting blood sugars, well, they're all normal, but, and maybe this is a question of context specific of what your fasting blood sugar should be, but I wanted them to be lower. I've been playing around with my diet, also been playing around with berberine. The berberine actually pretty much got my blood sugars to exactly where I wanted them. Of course, I don't know. This is me looking at myself and not really knowing, you know, what is good and what is bad, but it's been really, really interesting. And it's also, it kind of validated what I was suspecting, which was that I was getting reactive hypoglycemia after meals. But hold on a second. See, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of presuppositions in there. Oh, okay. So here's the deal. I like continuous blood glucose monitors. They're, they are very useful. I don't use them personally very often anymore because I've done so much. I know exactly what equates for me. Okay. So in that case, they're great. So they're, they're wonderful on the journey. Just like some of these other H, you know, heart rate variability things or, or rings or different little gadgets and gizmos. I'm not saying they're, they're of no use. What I'm saying is is they only tell a very small portion of the tale, T-A-L-E. And the thing is, is that it doesn't give you context into whys, okay? See, you had to take something like berberine to modulate blood glucose, right? So the question is, though, is on what foods and in what combinations, what percentage of the macros, you see? Now, you could do that same thing, change one variable, move up in elevation, okay? move in latitude or hell it's how much stress of business and entrepreneurship are you dealing with what type of relationship are you in and on and it would change it all again now it's such another moving target so it really didn't tell you much of anything it's like snips like everybody's all the things about like these genes like oh you know i did the strategene and then you know and it's telling me and then you got all these spin-off companies like genoplate and they're telling you how to eat based upon just your snips so I'll have another person like you say, oh my gosh, well, I did the DNA test and they told me that I have this, you know, MAOA, you know, uh, SNP or this MTHFR SNP and, and now I know how my body makes glutathione or not or how I methylate or not. No, you don't. Well, I'm better because what it did is it caused me to be more aware of my environment and to get rid of the mycotoxins and I go, aha, that's what did it. Not knowing your damn SNP, that's the stone soup effect. 
So if one of these devices or SNP tests educates, motivates, or inspires you to make some changes in your lifestyle, your environment, your mindset, and nutrition, okay, well then can we say that they're useful? Well, of course they can. But is it true information? I don't think so. So blood glucose monitoring, okay, I do, I do a challenge for people to determine if they're in fast oxidation or slow oxidation, okay, using a measured dose of dextrose, okay? But there's also another, I call them allostatic controls, that's my term from in my method, they're called the allostatic controls, of autonomic nervous system. So we know that the autonomic nervous system meets the oxidative system, right? So if you tend to be, you know, uh, one or the other. But here's the thing. How do you know which one is more dominant than the other? So in order to, in other, and then to check the, 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 the glucose response from the dextrose, I have to add in a, a, a form of potassium to compensate, right? So in other words, you can eat a, a certain food and have a certain reaction, hit it with something else that engages another control system, like your autonomic, and you'll have a totally different reaction to the food. So you doing that with like berberine and yeah, dare we say Garcinia cambogia or cinnamon extract or any of these other ones that they say, that didn't really tell you. You can all, I mean, there's people that I know there's functional docs out there that give these high doses of berberine that just burn the ever living crap out of people's GIs because they're chasing glucose based upon that presupposition. Clarification question, because I tend to exist within a pretty regimented diet and lifestyle, and I know there's so many variables, so clearly I'm not controlling everything, but like from a trend perspective with the CGM, I think I went about like two weeks doing my normal diet. Again, blood sugars were all normal, so by conventional standards. Now, what range are you referring to specifically? So my, my fasted blood sugars before I started playing around with berberine were typically in the 90s. Yep, completely wonderful. But I wanted them in like the 70s and 80s. Why? This is the honest answer of why. And this goes to show, I think, what we do as human beings where we look at something we were doing at some time and we make a story of what was working. And I'm sorry, this is a tangent. I think the most life-changing thing I ever read in my entire life, and sorry, listeners, because I know I share this story all the time, but it was when I started reading the, the split brain studies with like left and right brain patients. And then the studies where they would show people something and like only the right brain, I think would see it and the left brain didn't. And since left brain is like your language creator, it would like make up memories for why people had done things that they had done. And when I realized that I was like, oh my goodness, like I literally know nothing. I know nothing. Like my, my brain could, is making up a story about everything. Like that's what it's doing. <laughs> story for this that my left brain is making up is that like the diet that I was quote happiest on for a long time that I felt really good on that I'm always trying to quote, get back to at that time I was measuring my blood sugar every single night, not in the morning, but just at night at the same time. And it was always like high seventies. And so I had this like idea in my head of like, that's what I feel good at. Yeah. But here's the problem with that though. I know this is my example of what not to do listeners. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and I, here's the first thing is the congratulatory that at least you're critical thinking or making attempts to, and you're, and you're trying to figure it out. That's wonderful. So I'm not, you know, slapping you. It's just the same thing. Like, you know, there, there's this term out there that all the, you, it, it, it literally is the hallmark of a practitioner who doesn't know what they're talking about. They go adrenal fatigue. Okay. So 
because you got to remember, I've been around. I saw, I, you know, I saw Wilson's protocol and everybody come around. I'm like, hold on a second. He's that guy. You know, I cut a lot of flack for challenging him on the science. But the thing is, is this, I understand what people mean by that. It's just a complete misnomer. So here's the deal. But within that, you'll have people like in medicine, what we typically do is we do a morning cortisol, right? You'll go and do a morning cortisol as part of a, of a normal, you know, workup and stuff like that. But that doesn't tell what your cortisol did for the whole rest of the day. So this might be, oh, that's why I do the Dutch test. So anyways, so we typically would do a four-point cortisol because you want to take a look at what the cortisol rhythm is for the day. We know cortisol is supposed to be at its highest level between 7 and 9 a.m. in the morning, and it's at its lowest generally about 7 to 9 o'clock at night, right? That's because cortisol rules the day and melatonin rules the night, okay? It's another duality of men, you know, masculine and feminine. It's a pattern that pays out in nature and everything. So again, you got to understand though, what does a blood sugar of 75 in the evening and you feel good have anything to do with establishing anything? Nothing. It's a very limited bit of data that lacks so much context. So going back to the CGM though, so I went like two weeks with my quote normal diet, which at the time was lower carb because I'm trying to get back to a higher carb diet. But we need to figure that out too, though. You see what I'm saying? Why, why get back to higher carb? Why don't, we, why don't we get back to right for you carb right now? Which I agree. The language part of my brain wants to be a higher carb. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you know, you know, it can make us feel good. I mean, I know when I have a, a Krispy Kreme donut, I feel amazing. <laughs> but I don't eat Krispy Kremes all the time, right? I'm talking like fruit. Oh, I know. See, but look how, look how I have a freaking, you know, her, you know heretic I am. What? You actually have a donut from time? Yes, because I can. And I can smoke a stogie from time to time. And I can have two whiskeys from time to time. You see what I mean? That's it. You know, fruits are delicious too. I mean, I have one to two pieces every day. Is it still a snapshot if I went like two weeks and was following a, a diet within a very regimented realm and saw certain blood sugar levels, which we just discussed, were, you know, not necessarily problematic. And then made a concentrated change where I took started taking berberine for like two weeks and saw a overall very definite trend change, you know, for like over like two weeks. Like, is that quantitative or is that still a snapshot? Nope, it's not. That's silly. It's because it's the same thing like me trading, you know, day trading, you know, using somebody else's money. It's not a true performance of what I do with my money. So berberine needs to come off completely. Can't do it. No, I mean, because no one no, consuming berberine is 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 non sustainable. Number one, because what it can do to your cytochrome P four hundred and fifty engagement is a big problem that cannot be sustained. So don't do it. Same thing with all these other things that are not food. Okay, berberine is not food. CBD is not food. Nootropics are not food. Methylene blue is not food. They all have their place, you know, clinically. They have merit and their timing. I use all those things. But if you're really trying to find out, you have to not only look at your blood sugar, but blood sugar cross-reference with other markers, particularly various, you know, organic acid testing and stuff like that. What's your lactate, your pyruvate, your beta-hydroxybutyrate, you know, what's going on in your citric acid cycle? You see what I mean? You know, what's going on with your functional markers for various things like B6 through kenurinic and xanthorinic and methamalinate for B12 and figlu for folate, all these other things that deal with the damn glucose anyways. Later, blood sugar is just the start of the party. 
It's how many people, how many cars are there and how many people are there. That's great. Doesn't, doesn't tell you how cool the time's going to be or who's going to be the DJ. You got to look at other pieces of it. That's the problem. And that's the trouble in science is they pick this one thing, right? Like the right brain, left brain studies. Okay. Well, did they control for the person's, you know, dietary, you know, combination of macros, nutrient status, neurotransmitter balance? No. You're talking about like when the people would make up memories about. Yeah. It's well established in other literature. Okay. That a person's various biochemical statuses affect how the brain works through various neurotransmitters, cryptopyroles, copper, zinc. I mean, the work of Pfeiffer and Ravici and Riddick and, and Wiley. There's a ton, right? George Watson. I mean, my goodness, there's so many other levels. If you chase one thing and you're presupposing that 75 to 80 is somehow better. And there's a lot of people out there, these niche pickers that are telling people that, and it's bogus. It's completely bogus. Mine isn't that. Mine's in the, in the high 80s to low 90s. And I'm totally fine with that. And sometimes I teach my pancreas and liver who's boss. <laughs> okay? Just to make sure they know. Okay? But here's the deal, though. That doesn't tell you your methylation status or glutathione status or, you know, detoxification, you know, pathways. And that's a whole nother thing. Everyone, these detox people, that's the most ridiculous thing ever, right? It's more biotransformation. In other words, there's multiple things, Melanie, that really come into play. And I, I see it all the time in, the, in, in biohacking. It's whatever resonates with you at the time. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those kind of things where you got to take a look at the entire shtick if you will, of what's going on in your body. You got to get a, a broad spectrum of understanding of multiple systems biology and translate it through that. That really makes the difference. Chasing one or two biomarkers is just, it's, it's, a, it's an empty road. So when it comes to the testing, what sort of tests do you do with your patients? I think there's a lot of testing fatigue out there. There, there is. And again, they're doing the wrong ones because they're taking it out of context. Like for instance, oh, if your GI is whatever, I'm going to do a SIBO test. I haven't done a SIBO breath test in probably 15 years. I've seen patients that have done it outside of me and come to me, but it's, it's, it's a waste of time. It's a complete waste of time, right? Because there's other ways to look at it, right? So in other words, testing, yeah, it, it just depends on what you want to do. We use, I use all kinds of tests, depending upon the context of the patient's unique story. But initially, if I had to go ahead and just, you know, you know tell you the, the moral of the story is, urine organic acid testing, blood lipid, plasma aminos, those are critical. Those tell us a lot, an absolute lot, a lot, a lot, okay? There's all these arguments about fats and, you know, oh, you got to have all this, you know, DHA, says the guy who's fat and got skin like salami. The thing is, is you got, you know, then you got the fake dudes that say, oh, all poofas are bad. So buy my private label vitamin E. So the thing is, is that, you know, it's a, if you don't know what your, your omega-3s, 6s, sat fats, trans fats, and, and, and omega-9s and the enzymes, like your, you know, desaturase enzymes are functioning, then how do you know? You see what I'm saying? So you got to do a lipid species test. You got to take a look at those. You need to know what your plasma amino acid status is because that tells you a lot of how the body operates and functionally is performing. You need to have the organic acids for the various B vitamins. 
you need to know what your mitochondria markers are doing. You got all these people all about their mitochondria and doing all these biohacks for mitochondria, but no one's testing their mitochondrial metabolites. Why in the world? That's like somebody, you know, I'm a muscle car enthusiast and he never puts their car up on a dyno. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. They just keep adding more chrome stuff underneath the hood. It's just silly. So you got to do that. If you have any GI complaints at all, I don't care if it's, you know, rumbly in the tumbly to diarrhea to constipation to borborygmus, whatever, you should have a stool sample and you should do a screening for what bacteria and yeast are in there. You should know. You know, you should take a look at the functional markers of, of, of your, your pancreas and your digestion and stuff of that nature. So things like that, stool samples, urine organic acids, you know, uh, blood lipids and amino acids, critical for everyone. So the plasma amino acids, is that showing like leucine, methionine? Is that what that's showing? All of them. It shows all the non-essential and essential. And then we can also ratio to the others and we take a look at things like uh, urea citrulline and ornithine levels, right? Your urea cycles is, is one of the cogs that's attached to the BH4, attached to folate, attached to methylation cycle. They're all uh, cogs in the same gear works. You know, if someone has very low urea or deficient urea, they have a very big potential. And basically it reveals that their, their use of amino acids and integration of proteins is impaired. They're contraindicated to fasting. But I thought fasting was the end all to begin all. Not true. If any therapeutic approach, technique, molecule, or machine has the ability to impart benefit, it therefore by default has the ability to impart harm because it does something. It's the way it works. So if you don't know something as simple as like what your plasma aminos are doing or your urea levels, and then you embark on stuff, because if, 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 you, if you really talk to enough people and patients and say, yeah, man, you know, everybody talked about how wonderful fasting was and I fasted and I felt like hell. And they're like, well, you probably just weren't doing it right or doing it enough. And they'll go, hold on a second. Yes, I was. You know, I bought the online program and I got the digital thing and I watched the fasting summit. And nah, 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 nah. But nowhere in there are any of those people telling everybody what the inclusionary or exclusionary criteria is or giving you any method of quantification or qualification or measure or monitor as to what you're doing with. They just say everybody should do it because it's healthy. It's the same thing like with people getting an ice bath. You ain't got to get no damn 35, 40 degree water. All you got to do is have it 10 degrees lower than your basal. And you don't have to even put your whole body in it. You can just stick your feet in, in a bucket. Who wants to get the whole pain? Of, but, oh, but that's not as sexy. Look how cool I am. I'm Wim Hof and my ass off. I love my cold showers. Oh, I do too. But see, your cold showers ain't an ice bath. Although when I interviewed Wim, he said I could get a chest freezer and bring Alaska to my home and do my own ice baths. And I got really excited. Yep. And he's a cool dude, right? So what I'm saying is, is all these tools are tools. What's missing is the context of are you inclusionary or exclusionary criteria? When do you, what qualifies you to start? How are you quantifying as you go through it? And when do you stop? How do you know when to stop some of these things that are beneficial? Yeah. Yeah. When does it become too much? Yeah. I guess that's a good question. 
Hi friends, I am so excited to tell you about something that I am obsessed with that can revolutionize your health, help with stress levels, support longevity, and really help you when you go out and are having a bit of wine or drinks or all the things. And I'm going to tell you how to get $100 off. So I've been talking about the role of NAD in our health for so long. NAD stands for nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. It is a coenzyme that is involved in so many processes in our body, including energy production and DNA repair. And it is depleted by things like stress, aging, lack of sleep, alcohol, and of course, too much partying. In fact, a lot of researchers believe that declining NAD levels is one of the key factors in aging. That's why I have been really interested in boosting and supporting NAD levels. And I have tried all the things. You can take precursors to NAD called NR and NMN. I still take NMN. However, I am much more alert by directly giving your body NAD. And historically, the most common way to do that that is accessible to people was through NAD IVs and NAD shots. I actually never did an NAD IV for a few reasons. One, they are extraordinarily expensive. Two, I've been doing the shots, which I liked because they were easy to do. That said, they always made me feel a little bit unwell right afterwards. And I've heard that the IV makes a lot of people feel unwell. So if the shots were making me feel unwell and that was going into the muscle first as like a barrier, I can't even imagine what putting it straight into my bloodstream would have done. Plus with the IVs, you have to sit there for potentially hours. So basically IVs were a no-go for me. So like I said, I was doing the shots, but I was like, I wish there was an easier way to do this. Then a company called Ion Layer reached out to me. Oh my goodness, friends. I am so obsessed. So they make transdermal NAD patches and they have studies showing that these patches actually boost your NAD levels. And what's so amazing is you put on a patch. It's super easy to put on. I have a video on my Instagram about how you do it. You basically get this patch thing with like a negative side and a positive side. You put saline on one side, you mix up the NAD with some sterile water and the NAD that they give you on the other side. Then you stick it to your arm or wherever you want to put it. You put a super cool black patch over it, kind of like how you put the patches over CGMs. And then what's amazing is there are no side effects. You don't feel unwell from it and it lasts for 14 hours and it's so easy. You can do it at home and then you can really decide when you want to do it. So with the shots, I was doing them once a week and I was trying to do them before going out with this patch. Now I put on the patch before going out and it makes me feel so good. It really helps the next day from any alcohol recovery that you may need. And they look pretty awesome with my outfits. Not going to lie. I am obsessed with these patches. I just want everybody to know about them and they are so much more affordable than the shots or the IVs. If you want to boost your NAD levels, support anti-aging, help with your stress, help with lack of sleep, and or optimize your partying. You need these patches, friends. And I'm so excited because working with the company has been amazing and they are giving you guys $100 off, which is incredible. So to get that discount, just go to melanieavalon.com slash ion layer. That's I-O-N-L-A-Y-E-R and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get $100 off your first order. I cannot recommend these enough. I'm going to use them for the unforeseeable future, probably for the rest of my life. It's literally just become part of my arsenal now. Like when I'm getting ready to go out, usually once a week, put on my NAD patch. And even if I don't go out that week, I still like to do one once weekly. 
Oh, P.S. They're also amazing for traveling. You guys know I'm not a big traveler. I've been doing more traveling recently and I wear these on the plane there and back. Game changer. Although it's really fun at TSA, especially because I already opt out and don't go through the scanner thing. So they already are suspicious. And then they're like, what's that on your arm? And I'm like, it's NAD. And then they're like, what's that? And then I'm like, it's a coenzyme in your body that's involved in a lot of metabolic processes and energy production and DNA repair. And then they just look at me really weird, but it's fine. It's totally fine. So again, that's melanieavalon.com slash ion layer to get $100 off your ion layer kit. It comes with six patches, totally the way to go for boosting NAD levels. And I cannot recommend it enough. melanieavalon.com slash ion layer with the coupon code melanieavalon for $100 off. Like some of the things that I have in my life when I turn to them, not that I turn to them for like the solution, but integrating them into my daily life seems to perpetually just bring benefit. That's things, like I said, like having, from my experience, using the red light for ambient lighting, blue light blocking glasses at night. But are you, are you doing that during the day though? Am I doing the red light during the day? Yeah. Yes. When the sun's out, then, then you're, you've juxtaposed natural circadian rhythm. You have no business of doing ambient lighting in red during the day when the sun's up. None whatsoever. Like, so it doesn't matter if it's like balancing the blue light or the, the rest of the light? How are you quantifying if it's balancing and what blue light are you, you balancing? I guess I'm just quantifying based on my experience of experiencing this light in my apartment. Yeah, no. Yeah, you can't go on that. No, there is, it, it doesn't work like that. If the sun is up, you have no business using red light for lighting. There's no need to do it. Blue light is not bad. Okay. I mean, it's not the main source of light, but it's on. So it adds like a glow to the room. Yeah, well, if, well, put it this way. I'll, use, I'll, I'll drink my own Kool-Aid, okay? If it has a psychological benefit to you and your mindset, then go for it. As long as the irradiance isn't that bright. It's not like my lights are red light. It's like I have a small device on my desk and I turn it on and it adds, like I said, like a, a glow to the room and it makes me feel so good. I'm talking more along the lines of people just, I mean, their room is red during the day. Oh yeah. No, it's not like I'm living in, it's not, <laughs> it's not like it's all red. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things to where, again, I'm giving my overall opinion, but then, then we get into the context a little bit more of what you're saying and see how I adjust for it a little bit. So it, again, that's the context of how a person's using it. You can't say, you know, should you use red light in the day or not? Okay. If you've got all kinds of sunshine coming in your house, okay, don't be putting no red on. But if that red little glow makes you kind of feel better, depending upon how bright and how much power is being put out, I don't really think that's a big issue, okay? But at the same time, if you're doing it, though, because you're supposedly blocking, balancing, or neutralizing some presupposed blue, I think that that's a mistake. Blue is a problem without its balancing other wavelengths. That is true, okay? Because, you know, sunshine has loads of blue in it. <laughs> okay. But it has all the other ones. So it becomes a different color. So yes, it's the context of the entire musical chords that are being played. Okay. Because light is just notes and notes is just sound. It's all the same anyway. So, so yeah, it just context there. But again, same thing if it's at night and you're really bright red, too much. Okay. That is me at night. Yeah. Big problem. It should be low because that's energetic. And then you're doing that each night and the physiology in response to that creates, or I should say not creates, can, may create in you 
various disruptions in neurotransmitters, okay? Other opsin proteins. There's a lot of different variables that can be coming into play in there because what you're doing is, is you're putting in these, these wavelengths of light that have an energetic influence, though you might not have the irradiance because you get a meter and you go, oh, it's not that strong here. But, but the duration of time in it is cumulative and it's creating a reaction. You can overly get the body's response elements to do that. It should, it, at nighttime, it should be dark. There should be these big ass bright rooms of red. Remember, nature is the litmus test. Look to that in its example and you'll do way better. It's the same thing like with hydrogen water and everybody's, oh, I'm dropping these tablets. I'm making hydrogen water because I'm presupposing how great hydrogen water is. <clears throat> well, they're making that hydrogen water because they're using a magnesium and malic acid chemical reaction in the water to do it. So yes, you may be getting the hydrogen, but guess what else you're getting? Those other ions that you are assuming are okay for you and they're not all the time. What about, I'm drinking hydrogen water right now, but it's from a generator. It depends upon the generator and how it's generated. And it depends upon, you know, what's the base water that you use to do it? What's the pH of that water? What are the other ions that are in it or not in it? Actually, yeah, speaking of water, because this is a huge thing. So the only water I drink is bottled mineral water. I know you know a lot about water. A lot. I sure damn do. But here's but what does that even mean, mineral? Okay, mineral. Well, which mineral? Which minerals? Because mineral, like me, around you know, you on this podcast is not the same as if you know, it was you and me and you know, my friends here you know, with a bottle of wine. It'd be a different deal. <laughs> so my point is, when you say mineral water, what mineral water in the context of it? You see what I mean? So in other words, there's these moving parts give the context you can't necessarily say i mean all these people that are doing like the kangen you know electrocuted you know added stuff that's that's miserable for the body there's there's no place in it clinically at all for the body none at all so the water i drink is the bottled mineral water from italy i think from whole foods and then i put on like water filters on all of my shower and my sink and things like that and katie had a question she said i'm very concerned with water quality and how people can soften or purify their water for the whole house. It's one thing to drink good water, but if you're cooking with it, showering in it, cleaning with hard or dirty water, I worry that we're ingesting and absorbing lots of terrible stuff. Yep. And she's right. You are. So that she was right to worry about it, but now she doesn't have to worry anymore because we've confirmed it. It absolutely does. How do I know? Because I've quantified enough water tests to be able to tell you. They're it's, it's an expensive test to do it, right? It costs you about 250 bucks. So the same money to do, trust your water is what you could get a nice reverse osmosis system and correct for it, at least for what you're drinking. Oh, so you could just jump in. You see, and that's a perfect example. So that herein, is, we're at the crossroads. Okay, Beck, you're saying Q square, M square, qualify, quantify, measure, monitor. But doing that, I can go ahead and set it because some people have a, fine, you know, a, a budget and I get that. So you're like, well, instead of doing the testing, can I go ahead and get straight to the fix? In that case, touche, you're correct. You should. Buying water, I don't think that's a good idea for multiple reasons. Number one, not a liberal, not a conservative, any of that, those labels. I'm, I'm somewhat of a tree hugger, but you know, I don't believe in the, the hoax of global warming and stuff. But I'm an adamant protector okay, of the environment vis-a-vis -vis toxins and pollution and stuff like that. I don't give a damn about the carbon. So. When you're buying water that's bottled and shipped and produced, and it's just really silly. There's just no reason to do it. 
right? From time to time, do I like, like, like a little Tapatio? Do I like a little bit of Sam Pellegrino, some Girl Steiner? Sure. Okay, those are fun. They're tasty. But as, as a thing, I make my own water and everyone should, just like you should grow your own weed, <laughs> your own cannabis. You should make your own water. It's, it's really that tongue uncivil. Make my own wine. Make your own wine. That's a little difficult. I'm blasting on that. You got to get the goals. <laughs> Yeah, goals exactly. So the the thing is, is you should and you should be able to learn how to uh, structure it and, and remineralize it and structure. So that is the better way to go. Of course, if I had a shameful plug here on your show, I mean, I am a capitalist too. I do have an entire course called Balance Protocol Enviro that teaches people air, water, light, sound, EMF, and food, and how to correct all of it. It's a wonderful thing. But that's it. So balanceprotocolenviro.com. and it's a course. It's it's expensive. But it's like 50 hours of me covering everything you need to know about air, about water, about light, about sound, about EMF, and about food to get you started, to lay that foundation of balance protocol. But anyway, so when it comes to that, yeah, it's very difficult. And your system that you should use in your location is highly contextual about are you using municipal water? Do we need to correct that? And what municipal water? Some places fluoridate, some don't, okay? There's no place for fluoride in water in any way, shape, or form, period, in the story, full stop. But here's the thing, well water, right? There's a lot of different things. I grew up, you know, in, in a single wide trailer in North Carolina. You know we had well water. <laughs> it's a different kind of deal, right? And, uh, and I lived in Indiana as a boy too, and, you know, we're, the, the salt pellets and that softener. So the thing is, is none of those are good for, for human consumption. You do have to rectify your water, and there's proper ways to do it. A whole house RO system is, is, is not reasonable. What you drink, you should. You should have a whole house mitigation system, which is pretty inexpensive. For sub-$2,000, you could treat your whole, your whole house very nicely. Still shouldn't be consuming it, drinking it, swallowing it. You should run that subsequently through an RO and then remineralize and then structure it. So that's the answer for your person who wanted to know about that. So the drinking water that you're creating yourself... The whole house system, that was like a purifying. Well, it's, it's not a purifying. Basically, you're going to run it through various mediums, KDFs and, and, and uh, ionic exchanges to at least clean it up to where it's presentable to bring through your shower heads because you are, when you're taking a shower, you're breathing in water. Yeah. So people in apartments. Ooh, yeah. See, contact. different. Yeah, there you go. So there's various shower heads that are beneficial to there. You know, all the way from vitamin C or ascorbic acid resins to various carbons to various mineral pellets, plus or minus, you know, carbons. It really kind of depends. I wish I could give a turnkey answer to that. You have to take a look at your municipal water report to make that determination. That's how specific it is. Yeah, that's what I've been using is the shower heads for the time being. Yep. And that's a good, that's a good start. And that's, that's fine. You know, I really do get that. And again, it's just like, do I freak out if I'm staying at a hotel and I don't have treated water going over my body? Oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm at the biohacker conference. What am I going to do? I've never gone to a biohacker conference, but anyways. I haven't either. <laughs> there was just one over in Europe here just recently, but anyways, this is where I make fun of people. I could listen. We would never buy a used mattress. Would you ever buy a used mattress? No, never. You're sure as hell rent one for a night. That's exactly what a hotel is. Very true. I know I ruin everything. So my point is, is this, don't be dogmatic and don't be a purist and think, oh, listen, I own a smartphone. You probably own a smartphone. 
how dare we be EMF people and still use the phone? I mean, come on. Well, don't put it to your head though. hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. I never do that. So the thing is, is that's it. There's a lot of things people can do that don't require all these other things. And I, I love the work that you do. I've gone back and listened to some shows, some of the people that you've had on. I'll tell you, I just think they, they have no idea what they're talking about. They absolutely are dogmatic. They're obtuse. They're niche pickers. And they're giving misdirected information. And they're telling people there's a problem. And they just so happen to sell the fix. And it's just something as simple as a damn pill potion or powder or gadget. I'm saying it's convoluted. It's expensive. It's a pain in the butt. You got to lay your foundation. I mean, there's a, there's a lot more to my shtick, too. I really want to make sure that it's it's wonderful if you want to biohack. I, I'm more of a purist and I can't stand the term, particularly because of, you know, the, the main father of biohacking, the self-proclaimed, you know, fraud that, you know, I think is just bad for it. And it just misdirects people and tells people all kinds of crazy things like, you know, all figs have, a, you know, wasp eggs in them. I mean, I just can't believe the stuff that's out there. So my point of that is, is I don't want people to get me wrong. You know what I mean? I really, I'm I'm a different kind of cat and, you know, I make things easy, but yet it's, 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 it is convoluted at times. And all these things that people do and use and leverage, they do have their place. I just wish biohackers would raise their standard and always base it upon some type of quantification along the way in broader context, not just Okay, well, I'm quantifying my blood sugar based upon eating this. No, you got to look at other things along. It's, it's broader than just looking at blood sugar. What your blood sugar has to do has a lot to do with your circadian rhythm. You know that governs it all, right? Yeah, your lighting during the day and at night has all kinds of immense effect on your blood sugar that you're tracking with one of those monitors. Same thing when it comes to, you know, your, your mindset. And are you stressed? Are you, you know, you, you, a great biohack is called charity. Go volunteer. You know what I mean? I mean, oh my God, connection, community, service, sacrifice, charity. You don't ever see those talked about. Those are are better biohacks than any damn light you got. When it does come to mindset, because it was one of your, one of your four things, how powerful is it? Like, do you think some people can think their way through or like mindset their way through health issues or Depends upon how we would define mindset through what you do to move that mindset. If, if you just sit there and try to meditate your way out of it with mindset and, and projection and journaling and stuff, no. I think it's the underlying mindset behind that because multiple people could, one person could approach meditation as a tool to try to fix themselves or fix their mindset compared to a person who approaches meditation because their foundational mindset is a mindset open to meditation. Like, I feel like maybe there's a deeper subconscious mindset that we have surrounding everything. And I often wonder if that is a driving factor. And it is. Yep. It really is. I mean, it can make up for a lot of stuff. You'd be surprised. I mean, I've seen enough patients that have, you know, that are, that are fat, but they're healthy as all get out. And I've seen people that have the most amazing bodies and they are jacked up, toe up from the flow up. So I've seen people that just have had some health challenges, but yet it didn't really manifest bigger than what it would typically be on paper because they're doing so many other wonderful things with their life in service. It's, it's incredible. 
So these are all the, the testaments to why I know everyone is a category of one. While it's the unique story of the patient that everything should be filtered through. Forget all the other stuff, you know. I mean, it's it's the old adage of Osler. He says, if you listen to the patient, they'll give you the diagnosis. And so that's kind of how it is for me. And so you can, I don't think you can heal yourself out of severe chronic disease with mindset alone. No, I've never experienced that clinically or personally. But I have found that those who do have that as one of the four components. You can't just sit around and meditate all day. You got to have a certain lifestyle conducive to that. You understand what I'm saying? See, in other words, it's, it's multiple things. It's like the marionette. You got the hands and the feet and the eyes and the mouth, and you got you to dangle them all for the performance. That's it. But I, I tell you, you know, the, one of the things is, is that the mindset also, because my method talks about what do you have to add and what do you have to remove. So it's, it's both all the time, not just one or the other. But you also have, your mindset has to be well enough to relinquish, right? To, to really gracefully relinquish the need for all the things that you see in the biohacking world. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that you just don't need. You just don't. I mean, just look, look at centurions around the world and through history. I'm, I'm, one of my trademark statements is history, data, and precedent. That's what I look to. Is, was there a time in history that I can study that? You know, what's the data and is there any precedent so I don't have to go through this to one degree? And this is why I like the collection of personal data and quantification. And that's why I like to take it into broader context of everything within the patient case, not just one aspect. And like I said, it's a moving target. It's a lot of fun. But you know, I, just, I just really hope that people realize that ultimately you have to look in the totality of everything that you're doing and go, and I always have to ask the famous thing, okay, great. How's it working for you? If you're struggling, I mean, there's these health people that are out there that will remain nameless until I publish my book. But the thing is, is, I mean, their whole thing is talking, is talking about how they still struggle with certain things, but yet they're telling people all this stuff. And I'm just like, well, it's because you're, you know, you're, you're trying to do, an, uh, to do too many things without any basis for doing. That's all. Hi, friends. An incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits, as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold contamination. Contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, <laughs> drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. 
It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash Danger Coffee and use the coupon code MelanieAvalon to get 10% off. Again, that is MelanieAvalon.com slash DangerCoffee with the coupon code MelanieAvalon for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit. But sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. That is something I'm personally haunted by. Like, I feel like I've been really transparent with my audience about like the reason I have this show, honestly, is because I've been trying to find answers about different health things. And so it's me always just trying to search and find information and share what I've learned. And I don't really know, like, I don't know anything, but I can share like what I've learned and get opinions from people. And I love that. And, and, and again, yeah. And I congratulate you for doing that. I mean, just to be clear here, I'm not poking your chops on that. The, the difference is when we hear stories of other people, it should be a function of inspiring us to go on our story as well not to live vicariously through another person because that's where a lot of people do this. Well, my neighbor said, you know, that Prevagen, you know, jellyfish is a great, you know, nootropic and it's wonderful. This is a biohack, right? Or you get there, you know, the people that, oh, pro tandem and the Nerf twos and all that crap. The thing is, is they'll always, people will have stories. I got tons of stories, both for me and tens of thousands of patients. Okay. But that's their story. Okay. And people are like, well, I'm going to try that diet. Okay. The problem with stories, they don't, they don't give you any full context of the individual who quote air quotes tried that and it created air quotes this better for me. And that's the trouble. All right. So people will do that. I mean, I've seen all, I mean, literally it's over and over people bounce around from CBD to, to alkaline or to, to this, to that, to you know, soil-based organisms, to bone broth, everything and collagen. This, I mean, I mean, Wow. And none of them are really getting any resolution because they're on that roller coaster of trying a bunch of things because other people are trying things. Doesn't mean we shouldn't try things. Doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to people who share stories of success having tried something. 
It's to raise your standards and say, how do I quantify it and shorten this curve? That's what I really want to encourage people to do. Do you think if all the people that are struggling with whatever aspect of their health that they're struggling with, do you think if we just drop them in a location from like what their ancestry is from, like geographically, and they had to just like find food and and like live in the natural environment that most people would get better? No, I don't think so. Because here's the whole thing. If people are honest with themselves, like, like I have no damn idea how my grand grandfather ate. I have no idea. I know my grandfather was a smoker and an alcoholic. <laughs> okay. But here's the deal. And then, but they don't have what we have now. So the whole ancestral thing is, is, is complete BS. That, that's a marketing term. Paleo is a marketing term. You know, ancestral is a marketing term. What does that even mean? Right? Ancestral, you lived in, in, in the islands or ancestral, you lived in Native American. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm of Cherokee descent. I'm literally a descendant of Pocahontas. I actually am. But I'm white as a cracker. It's totally true. I do my genealogy. I, I literally have it all the way back. I mean, and, you know, it's, it's the funniest thing ever. I'm descended from a slave, too. A white slave, no mind, mind you, who married the Cherokee princess who was the niece of Pocahontas. But anyways, so the funny thing here is, that is an incredible lineage. Wow. Oh, it's amazing. I got it all on Ancestry.com. It's amazing. But here's the funny thing. I'm not going to eat like them. I'm not going to do that. Not at all. I'm going to eat how my body is quantifying for now. Me. It's all about me. I tell people, don't be selfish, but please be self-centered. I don't, your, your ancestors have nothing to do with you now. None at all. Not your genes, not your nothing. That is a, that, that's the epitome of living vicariously through somebody. Have you no idea what's going on? It's absurd. And you know what? People, you know, then the whole thing is, you know, like, I don't want to live on a deserted island. Hell no. I like running water. <laughs> I like sleeping at 68 degrees every night on my very nice sheets and bedding. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It doesn't make me unhealthy to use technology or things that we have today. So no, I don't subscribe to that either, Melly. I don't. I, I just. I think I understand where that could possibly come from in someone's mind because we're trying to get rid of things. But no, no, no. I, I, I mean, you know, I mean that's conjecture. I don't have any firsthand experience on it. I haven't tried it, but you know, just from my mindset, I don't think that there's any upside to doing that. Last question, because I heard you talk about this on another podcast, and you were talking about. For food sensitivities and food allergies, I think that's so overwhelming for people. So overwhelming. For example, Jessica said, I'm interested in doing a test for food sensitivities, but I'd also like to know more about my overall health related to my DNA. Is there a test you recommend? I, I personally get really obsessive with the whole sensitivity testing, like IgG, IgM, IgE. Do you subscribe to testing for that or is it more? I certainly do. Let me cover the DNA real quick. Okay. DNA testing, your SNPs, you ready? Have nothing, that's right, I said the word, nothing to do with how or how you should or should not eat anything. Nothing. No answers for you will be found in your SNPs. Full stop. And I know that might shock the hell out of some people because there's a lot of niche pickers who are trying to get on the gene bandwagon. Okay. I was sequencing genes and looking at SNPs prior to the full release of the Human Genome Project. Okay. I have my original gene test and stuff like that back from 96. It'll crack people up. Remember before barely around computers coming out. So here's the deal. The gene thing tells you nothing of food sensitivities or allergies at all. 
It just, it doesn't. I know it might sound good. There's no such thing as dirty genes. You do not know if your genes are in expression or not. There is no test on the market that is even remotely accessible or, or feasible or, or affordable to people to determine if your gene is in expression or not, no matter what SNP it is. And then if you take any SNP in the absence of the context of other ruling and highly influential SNPs, it just makes it moot. So no, it doesn't tell you anything. It's another stone soup example, okay? If you go, oh, I'm in MTHFR, you know, heterozygous is positive. So therefore, you know, I'm, I'm only 20% methylation capacity, all those kind of narratives. So am I, but guess what? My methylation is freaking bomb. I don't have a problem at all because I'm looking at the actual nutrient functional markers like B6 and B12 and magnesium and zinc and betaine and SAM E and SAW ratio. And I know exactly how it's performing or not. It has nothing to do with my SNPs. Damn the SNPs. So drop the DNA. So don't worry about your DNA. Okay. Now moving on to food sensitivity answer. Yes. There's all kinds of tests like IgE. Okay. I call it the immunological game because we have IgG, IgA, IgM, and IgE. It's the game. Okay. So E is just acute type one reaction. It's entirely different than the others downstream. Okay. As far as the IgG tests, okay. Those are tests that use a linking system where they take a particular purified substance and then they attach it and then see if another one reacts to it and go to it without getting in all the science. But it tells you there was a reaction. It doesn't tell you if it was a harmful or a helpful reaction. Just because an IgG test reveals that there was increased IgG sensitivity or reaction to that food, that's not a bad thing at all by default. That's, that's the thing that blows my mind. You need to distinguish, was the reaction a helpful or a harmful reaction? Okay. There is only one test on the market that I use for food sensitivities. I don't use the term allergy because that's, that's kind of a misnomer, though allergies are a, one of the five causes of all disease. So anyways, that's a balanced protocol principle we can get into some other time. So it's called ELISA ACT from EAB Labs. Okay. And that's the one. So it's a blood draw and it takes a look visually to see if there is a size and volumetric change to those lymphocytes. That's how you know if it was distinguishing from helpful or harmful. Is it still looking at IgG? It's just giving more context to the IgG? In a way, yes. Well, of course there's an IgG reaction, but it's distinguishing did that IgG reaction cause a physical reaction to the actual cell itself. Uh, here's the, the example. I'm very irreverent. I use some things. It's kind of like, you know, if you get smacked on the ass, right? So in other words, you see a red handprint on your butt. Okay. Was it a good thing or a bad thing? Depends upon who did it. It's so funny. I know that's what I do. I, you know, Kirk loves me for that. So the thing is, I mean, if, if I smack my buddy's butt in, you know, in the shower, okay, you know, we, it, it was fine. But if I did that to somebody you know, like say on the beach and I didn't know them, that'd be a big problem. So it's the context of the booty slap. So when, it, when your cells get booty slapped by something, it depends, right? It depends if it was a helpful or a harmful thing. Did your body have a negative reaction to it or was this? Because here's the thing, your body is, is divinely created and it was, it's designed to have reactions to things. Because remember, like I said earlier on, when we first started food and things that we consume are not us. We have to turn it into us. 
And the body has to transform things that aren't us into us through a series of reactions. And they're not all harmful. That's why I hate the term inflammation. It's like saying automobile. Well, a Vespa is an automobile. So is a Hummer. Okay. But there's a big difference. So there are certain foods that cause an IgG reaction that are non-inflammatory. Others are. You have to distinguish the two. There's only one test that I've been able to use clinically repeatedly and with absolute confidence that is a great one to do, and that's what it is. You don't need me to get it. You can get it through directlabs.com. That's the other thing. I ain't got no skin in the game when it comes to that kind of stuff. I tell people, listen, I direct you on what you want to do. If you want to work with me, that's great. You know, I'm expensive. The thing is, is that at the end of the day, though, there are quantifications that you can use and learn to do and repeat and wield on your own. So that would be the way to go if you ever want to get to the bottom of it. And you'd be surprised. Like, I don't demonize gluten. I eat the hell out of gluten. I don't have a problem with with wheat and grain at all because my quality of selection criteria is great. I haven't had to put a person on a gluten-free diet, geez, since I can remember. I heal people on all the things that people think, dairy, milk, grains, any and all of that stuff. That's not necessarily true. You can be just as pro-inflammatory as all those normal hitters with avocado, turmeric, fish oils, berberine, you name it. They're all potentially just as harmful as these other things that everyone wants to demonize. Did you know that? That's something I think about a lot, actually, because I was reading a book and he was making the same argument that everything everything has a potential spectrum of, you know, being harmful or helpful to our body and context is basically the answer. And he gave an example list and I was going through the list and I was like, yep, I can accept all of this. And then like gluten was on the list and I was like, why can't I accept gluten and I can accept everything else on this list? So I think I need to work on my own paradigms. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's so ingrained for a while. I mean, if you keep repeating it and repeating and that's it. Now, listen, I, you know, I'm just a personal story. My wife's mom's father just recently, and he's been, I'm, 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 you know, gluten free, gluten free, you know, but he's eating processed food. I was like, Poppy, let's do this test. And lo and behold, yep, gluten came back. I was like, damn. I said, well, listen, but not gluten came back, wheat. So you do have a harmful action to wheat, but that doesn't mean it can't have rye, barley, oats, rice, and corn all have gluten, by the way. So the th- you understand what I'm saying? So it changed things, but he also couldn't have cottonseed oil either. You know, he loved his little, you know, potato chips cooked in cottonseed. So we have to switch him over to another amazing poofa called peanut oil. Like, what? Beck, you're crazy telling people to eat the poofas? And I go, yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, the poofas are sort of my obsession. They're cool, man. I mean, listen, you know what? I have never, ever, no matter what diet it is, because I've done just literally tens of thousands of lipid studies, membrane composition studies, what are the fats in your membranes? Never met a person living who didn't have PUFA, even if they never ate them. They were PUFAs. You know why? Because the body's going to make them. Body's going to make omega-3s, omega-6s. It's going to make the nines, it's gonna, and it's going to do the sat fats. It, your body is one great big old assembly and manufacturing and recycling plant. It's amazing. Totally amazing. I see people all the time who are under-inflamed. They have poor immunity and stuff because they've gone so far away from legumes and lentils and grains that they've induced all kinds of nutrient deficiencies. And that's why their body's having the same reactions. Yeah. You're mentioning the word inflammation earlier, and I feel like there are two words in my 
vocabulary related to all of this that I, I need to like work around my fear response to, and that's inflammation and LPS. I feel like I'm haunted by these two words. You suffer from information overload. You've had too many of people like me on, on your show, right? But let me ask you, here's what I would do though. I would say, how many of them okay, have said, let's call Q square M square across broad systems biology and find out what you should or shouldn't do? Yeah. Well, nobody to this extent. I mean, oftentimes it's, you know, testing within the sphere of the topic that they're talking about. Yeah. And you can't, and that's great, but you know what? You can't understand one topic in the absence of all the others. There is, there is a certain amount that must be looked at at the same time. So for listeners who are probably feeling hopefully inspired, maybe confused, maybe overwhelmed, hopefully they're probably feeling a myriad of potential colors and the mosaic of emotions, where should they start? So the show notes for this episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash biohacking myths. And in the show notes, like can people work with you personally? They can, because listen, like I said, I'm a capitalist, you know, hey, we're all, we're all advertising. This is all about business and to a certain degree. So let, let me get, let me give you my caveat on that. If people want to kind of know more about, you know, my shtick and my propaganda, okay, my form of crazy, as I call everybody's form of crazy. I'm, you know, everywhere on social media, it's Dr. Anthony G. Beck. So D-R-A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-G-B-E-C-K. So Dr. Anthony G. Beck is my brand across all social media. You can find all kinds of my stuff on there, videos and whatnot. That's also my website, dranthonygbeck.com. But one of the things I like to do is I created a free course called Balance Protocol Prime because my method is called Balance Protocol. So balanceprotocolprime.com is a free course. You, enroll, you log in, Bloom, and it's three modules, and I take you through my entire shtick and premise. Okay? It saved me from having to publish my book early. <laughs> it just get, it breaks all of this principles, tenets, and values, and all this kind of stuff in a very concerted way. I encourage everybody. There's no... No advertisements in there. There's no affiliate links in there. There's no nothing. It's just straight up. There you go. It's like buying my book and it's absolutely great. Okay. So balanceprotocolprime.com. So that's the place I'd like to tell everybody to start. That's your starting point. If that makes sense to you, then you can reach out. I did talk about balance protocol enviro.com where I talk about the environmental inputs. That's a paid for program. But if you want to do testing and stuff like that, I principally train other clinicians now. That's that's what I do as my is in, in life now as I train other nurse practitioners, PAs, MDs, DOs, DCs, acupuncture, everything. So other clinicians and stuff and health coaches, I, I teach them to be a balanced protocol practitioner. But I do have a team of other practitioners who train with me. So people who do want to do testing or approach things, I only, you know, like, like with you, you know, people like yourself, you know, the thing is, is it's like I, I only through referrals, I really don't do any advertising or anything like that. In other words, I want I just do business differently and I want people to know I'm not a, just some other person out there, you know, pitching heat or some niche. Not at all. I mean, it's people who, who are, f I specialize in resolving complex chronic diseases. That's what I do. And I've done it for 25 plus years and I, I feel I'm the best in the world at it. And that's, some people think, oh, that's arrogant and cocky. That's fine. But what I'm saying is the difference is, is find out why for yourself, be self-centered and figure and, and, and know where you're coming from. And that makes all the difference. So that's how I would tell people that's where you start. And that's what that deal would be. In other words, you, you, you got to really start accepting. There's all kinds of dogma out there that just is, you know, doesn't apply to you. It's missing. 
for listeners, I will put all of that information in the show notes and the show notes are at melanieavalon.com slash biohacking myths. I love that sentence that you said about being self-centered, not selfish. That's just a really incredible approach, which brings me to the last question that I ask every single guest on this podcast. And it is just because I feel more and more each day that mindset is such an important part of all of this, this whole journey. So what is something that you're grateful for? Well, I'm grateful for you. <laughs> you brought me on here to share with a listener and a base that often that obviously resonates with you and listens to you. And for me to be invited into that home that you put time and love and cultivation into, why would I not be grateful for that? So I'm totally grateful for that. Well, thank you so much. I am so grateful for you as well. All of this work that you're doing from the second that we had that initial call, I was like, wow, this is, like I said, I've done so much searching and I'm just in search information, biohacking overwhelm. And I really felt talking to you that there is something here that I haven't heard anywhere else before. So I am so grateful already. I'm thrilled about everything. And this conversation has been amazing. So I really, really look forward to working with you more and you'll have to come back again in the future. There's so many more things we could talk about. And I promise not to cover so many other things. We'll just dial into one thing and maybe I'll bring in some some science and some charts and stuff and just really, you know, geek people out. But that's because on that, just to kind of reprieve a little bit for all the biohackers that are still going to be biohackers, but damn what Beck says. That part is fun. Looking at the biological pathways and the influence of other things, that stuff is really cool. I Believe me, I do my geek out on some things too. You should see me with my microscope and, and the things that I do. It's a really fun thing. So. Yeah, if we come back, let's do that. We'll, we'll pick one thing and, and we'll, we'll, we'll geek out. Oh, and listeners, the final thing, Dr. Beck is a huge Disney fan, which is like my life. So I'm 10 minutes away, 10 minutes away from Disney. Just to put a whole bow on everything. <laughs> um, so, well, I look forward to those intense future conversations to come and I'm sure my listeners will as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What When Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me at podcast at MelanieAvalon.com. And always remember, you got this.